we preach in Jesus' name, amen. In Isaiah chapter 5, we have a parable. Now, in the Old Testament, there aren't a lot of parables, all right? Parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And if you're a teacher, we would call it an illustration. And Jesus Christ spoke in many, 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 many parables. But we don't see a lot of them in the Old Testament. But in Isaiah chapter 5, we have an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We're going to look at the first seven verses of Isaiah 5. Read them along in your Bible. If you have it, I'll read them aloud. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done to it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. And then here's where we get the meaning of this. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. Here we have a story, and God speaks about this vineyard. And in the end there, he tells us, he said, this vineyard is a picture of my children. At this time, Isaiah prophesying, the kingdom had divided between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. But God's people in the Old Testament, and even to this day, is the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, and thank God, we have the mystery of the church, the bride of Christ. If you've been saved, you're part of that bride. You're a Christian, and here we are. One day we'll be raptured out to meet Christ. He is the, the, the bridegroom, and we are the bride of Christ. And in this day and age in which we live, though we are not the nation of Israel, though I don't know if there's any Jewish people here, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we are Christians, and therefore we are God's people. And in this day and age, God's people were the Jews. So he said, I'm looking at this vineyard, and, and, and I'm likening this vineyard to my people. Now, we wouldn't normally plug ourselves into a story like this. Uh, We have Christmas coming up in just a couple of months, and it's a common thing that maybe we'll do a Christmas play. And I'll say, well, what's your part? And a little guy will say, I'm Joseph. We'll find a little girl. What's your part? I'm Mary, all right? What are you? I'm one of the shepherds, all right? Whatever it might be, I'm a wise man. And we plug ourselves into stories being people. Maybe it would be the story acted out in a church drama of maybe David and Goliath. And you'd find a really big guy to be Goliath. And you'd find a little boy with a sling, and he would be David. And they would plug themselves into stories. 
In this particular story, God said, my people, you're like a vineyard. So I don't know if you've ever pretended to be something before or not. Maybe you have been Superman. Maybe you've been the Incredible Hulk. Maybe you've been Mary or Joseph or a shepherd or something like that. But today, if you would, as we plug into this story and God says, I'm looking at my people as if they were a vineyard. Today you are, this afternoon, think of yourself as a vineyard. All right? So you're a vine. That's what you are. You're you're not a person. You're a vineyard. All right? And here we are in the story. Notice this. It says this about it. My well-beloved, verse 1, the end of the verse, has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. God put his vineyard, and this is what happened. He planted his vineyard, and he expected to see fruit, but he got a poor return. He got wild grapes. And God was displeased with that. And here in this story, notice what he says. I planted my vineyard, the end of verse 1, in a very fruitful hill. God says, I I planted you in a place where it is easy to grow. And as you're plugging yourselves into the story today, can I say to you, whether you know it or not, you have been put in a place where it is easy to grow as a Christian. Let me say this. God has put you in, if not the greatest, one of the greatest nations in the world. You understand that the freedom that we have in America is an amazing thing. God did not plant his vineyard in a desert and then expect growth. God did not plant his vineyard in Antarctica where it's freezing cold and expect it to survive. God says, I put you in a place where it's easy to survive. And can I say this? We have been put in the great uh, nation of America where it's easy to grow as a Christian. You say, what do you mean, Brother Mike? Most of you are holding in your lap a Bible. I don't know if we realize it or not. That is an incredible blessing. You can go to a Walmart today. You can go to a bookstore today, and you can buy a Bible. We can go on the radio And we can hear preaching. And you may not agree with everything you would hear, but you can hear the Word of God preached freely in our nation. You can go and turn your television on. And it may not be a church service exactly like ours, but people talking about salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ on the television. You can go and buy Christian books. You can go on the Internet and look at sermons and hear all about the Word of God. We're living in a time where we have freedom and it's easy to grow as a Christian. And we have freedom to gather. You realize many countries do not have freedom like we have. We heard a message preached this morning. Some of you young children are growing up in a Christian school where every day you have devotions and you go to youth group and you go to camp and you go to these different places where it has been very easy for us and we're in a place where we should grow, that's called America. We have the gospel. You go to the Sudan, or you go to some of these Muslim countries, and you have the scriptures, they'll kill you. They'll take your life. There's no freedom. And you think about it. How easy is it in one of those nations to hear the gospel? You go to China, where they have underground house churches. No one's giving you gospel tracts. No one's preaching on the, on the television. No one's preaching on the radio. But in America, can I say this? We have the word of God all around us. We've been put in a very fruitful place. 
Then let me also say this. Not only is your nation a fruitful place when it comes to God, when it comes to knowledge of God, but also you're in a good church. You're in a good church. Can I tell you, within our nation, there's a lot of people that have been uh, deceived and they're in false religion. You're sitting here today and you're not in a perfect church, but you're in a good church where the word of God is preached faithfully. Can I tell you, for those two reasons, we ought to be growing. God didn't put us in a place where we never hear the gospel. God didn't put us in a place where it's illegal to go to church. God didn't put us in a place where no one has a copy of the scriptures. We have God all around us. And I know some people say, well, it's 2013 and we're not what we used to be. And I get it as a nation, but we're still more blessed than so many people that are alive on this planet. We're in a very, very fruitful place. And can I say that? It's just by God's grace. Some of you little children here growing up in church, listen to me. It's the same thing I had. It's by God's grace. We live here. We didn't choose this, but this is what God has done for us. Notice this. He says of his vineyard, they were in a very fruitful hill. And then it says next, and he, God, fenced his vineyard. He fenced it. God put his vineyard in a place where they could grow. And then he put up a fence around it. Can I tell you, fences are to do one of two things. To keep things in or to keep things out. That's why they build fences. Keep things in or keep things out. We have a dog that needs a fence, all right? Some of you might know about that, and you've got the same. And we'll, we'll get things, and we'll try to keep them in. But here, when we're talking about a vineyard, God did not put a fence around it to keep his vines from escaping. They don't run away. It's not the nature of a vineyard. God put the fence around the vineyard to protect it, to protect it. I used to live in farm country, and they'd have uh, um, tree farms, and we had a lot of deer. And so they'd put up eight-foot-high fences to protect the, the, the shrubs, the trees, so that the deer didn't jump over the fence and destroy them. God says, I fenced my vineyard. God wanted to keep out, hear me, that which would come in and destroy his vineyard. Young people of Open Door Bible Baptist Church, listen to me. You're a very blessed person for having been born in America and having a copy of the Scriptures. Old people were very blessed for the same reason. Many of us have had this also, whether it be a parent or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher Mom, dad, friend, whoever it might be, listen, that has tried to protect us. I sit here, Pastor Siebold sits in the back. As a young man, can I tell you, Rev was a man who would help to put fences about me. And he said, Mike, I want to see you grow. And God put people like Rev and like my parents and like others. And church, listen to me. You have a pastor sitting here in the second row. And you know what? God will give him messages and he will put fences around us, God's people, to keep out that which would come in and destroy us and hurt us. I met a lot of young people along the way that view their fences as their enemies. Hey, listen to me, kids. If mom and dad are trying to keep some things out of your life that would come in and hurt you, they're not your enemy. They're actually your best friend. And that will help you. 
And we live in, it, it, we're, we're here at this church. And can I tell you, I know for sure Pastor Chris is going to get up and he's going to preach some things and he's going to teach some things and he's going to encourage some of your parents to put fences around your kids and a fence around this church. Watch, the devil is seeking whom he may devour. He wants into this church. He wants into your family. And thank God we've had some fences put around us to help protect us from being destroyed. And I've had that. God says to his people, you're a vineyard. And I've put you in a place where you can and should grow. And, and, and I fenced it. I put a fence around you to protect you. We live in a place where we have a very big mall by our house, a large mall, uh, and it's called the Cherry Hill Mall. And right next to the mall is Route 38. And Route 38 goes by the mall, and they used to have this cement, maybe three foot high, barriers, dividing the, the, the traffic going east and westbound. Well, what happened is the mall is on one side and there's also a shopping center on this side. Babies are us, Target, all this kind of stuff. Well, there's a lot of people that were going across two lanes of traffic, jumping the three-foot-high cement barrier and running across the other two lanes in order to get to the mall. So you know what someone did? On top of the three-foot-high barrier, they put like a six-foot-high fence. And they did not do that because they hated all the shoppers. They put that fence there to say, hey, this is dangerous. Don't even try jumping this. You're supposed to look. We're, we're putting this fence up to protect you, to keep you from harm. Hey, if your life has been fenced, thank God for that. There are people that sit here this afternoon, and your, your prayer would be this. Your comment would be this. I wish some people would have put some bigger fences around me when I was a young person and kept some of the stuff out that came in and hurt me. And then there's some that look, and they say, I don't like these fences. The fences are good, and God fenced his vineyard. Then notice this. And he gathered out the stones thereof. He gathered out the stones thereof. Fences protect us from what's outside. And yet amazingly, even though it keeps all the bad stuff from the outside getting in, there were still some things inside his vineyard that would hinder growth. It says this, he gathered out the stones. Say, where did those stones come from? Was someone lobbing them over the front fence? No, they just came up from inside. Guys, listen to me. We can put fences all around us and try to keep out wrong music and wrong movies and wrong internet and wrong... And yet, you know what? We still have problems on the inside. So where we are, it's lust of the flesh, our pride, jealousy, all kinds of problems. And here's God. He likens his people to a vineyard. And he said, I put my vineyard in a place where it's easy for them to grow. And I put a fence about my vineyard so that nothing would come in. And then he says this, and then I would work on the stuff inside my vineyard that would hinder growth, and I'm removing it. Can I tell you, that's one reason why we go to church. Because we hear sermon after sermon after sermon. And you know what it does? The word of God reaches inside of us and says, Mike, You've got pride in your heart. And i got to take that out so that you can grow. 
and you've got covetousness, and, and, and you've got jealousy, and you've got... It's the way it goes. And God takes the time, listen to me, to work on us week after week after week after week. Why? He wants to see growth in our lives. He doesn't have to do that. That's an investment. Let me say this. When you come to church and you walk out and the Holy Spirit has worked on you, we say it this way, boy, I got my toes stepped on. That's a good thing. Why? God is working to take these things out of us. Thank God for the messages that are given to the preacher that that works on all this. And God worked on us. I remember one time uh, we used to, uh, when I lived in, in the Vincentown area, Keith Jones, he, he played hockey for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now he's a commentator for ESPN. And Keith's wife, Laura, um, they're into dressage. Um, the horses, top hat, the jumps, do all your fancy moves, all that kind of stuff. She's a dressage rider, and they have a ring. And uh, Keith had said to me, uh, Mike, do you have anybody, any boys at the church that might come over? And the ring has some stones and different things that would come up, and injure the horse's foot. And we're talking about horses that are anywhere from seventy-five dollars to $150,000, and they're practicing their dressage moves, and yet these stones would come up. And I said, yeah, I'll bring some guys over. So I'd take three or four guys over, and they'd just pick up stones for a few hours, put them in a wheelbarrow, take them to the woods, dump it. No big deal. It was interesting because you say, well, that took care of it. No, no, no. Three or four weeks later, he'd call again. Hey, can you get him back over here to do it again? Isn't that just like we are? We hear messages. God works on us. And just because we're human, we're in our flesh. You know what we need a couple weeks later? Same thing. How many times have we gotten our heart right for this or that or that and done it again and again? And here God is working on removing the stones. So you and I in this story, we're a vineyard. We're in a great place. God fenced it. He works on us and takes out the stone thereof. Then notice this. And he planted within it the choicest vine. God said, I put not just a vine, the choicest vine in you. A vine that would bring forth not average grapes, excellent grapes. And when I can't help but think about our lives as the people of God and God looking at his people as a vineyard. Can I tell you, when you accept Christ as your Savior, he puts his spirit in you. He didn't put an angel in you. He put the Holy Spirit, the part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He puts his very best in you. And when God puts his Holy Spirit in you, you know why he does that? That's to bear fruit. That's to bear fruit. Galatians teaches the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and gentleness and on and on and on and on. And God says, listen, I I didn't just plant my vineyard and and, and throw any old vine in there. He said, you're you're my vineyard and I put you in a great place and I I fenced you and and I worked to gather everything out and, and I planted the very best vine. Hey, I thank God that when we get saved, God says that you have the Holy Spirit that comes to live within you. And that is an awesome, awesome thing. And notice as the story goes on, he says this, and then he built a tower in the midst of it. Think about the story. You're a vineyard. Listen to me. You are God's project. He's got you in a great place, America. 
He's got you in a great church, Open Door Bible Baptist Church. He is putting fences around you to try to keep out that which would come in and hurt you. He's working on you regularly. He put his Holy Spirit in you. And then notice this. It says he built a tower in the midst of it. So why, why did he do that? My dad builds towers, kind of. He's a deer hunter, all right? You will find my dad regularly in a tree, about 20 feet in the air, with a bow or gun in his hand. And he's looking for the poor little deer to walk by, all right? And, and, and that's the way it goes. But can I tell you, God put in his vineyard a tower, and he built it. And he's there to look and see the fruit. Do you ever plant grass, seed, and you look at it, and you water it, and you look at it, and you water it, and how cool is it when it finally starts to grow? Ah, I see it. God says, hey, I'm standing there watching. We think a lifeguard stands. What do they do? They get hot. What? To observe. And God says, boy, I put you in a great place, and, and, and I put a fence around you, and, and I've got all the stones out. And I put my best vine. And now I've built this tower and I'm watching for the fruit. And notice what happens here. Also made a wine press. When this fruit comes, I've got a plan for it. I've got this wine press and I'm going to use the fruit. Do you understand that God has a plan for every one of you? And God has a plan for me? Listen to me, hey, he knows my name. We heard it this morning. God has a plan for you. You are part of this body. There's a hand and there's a foot and there's a nose. And Hey, God has plugged you in. And he's there and he's watching to see the fruit. And he says, I've got a wine press. I've got a plan for what I'm going to do with the fruit here and the fruit here and the fruit there. And I'm going to do all kinds of great things. And he plans on using every one of us. He's watching. He built that wine press. Well, I can't wait to see what we're going to be able to do with the fruit of their life. And notice what happens. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. And it brought forth wild grapes. Brought forth wild grapes. God looks and he says, how did this happen? Wait, 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 wait. There's something wrong with this. Church, listen to me. There's something wrong with this story. I, I, I'm God, and, and I put them in a, just an awesome place to grow. And I protected them, and, and I worked on them, and I put my best in them. They're not in a desert. I, I've watered them. I've, I've blessed them, and, and I stand here watching And I've got a plan for their life. And it's wild grapes. Grapes that are not able to be eaten. Grapes that are, if you would, offensive or detestable. Do you ever bite into something rotten? It's amazing how quickly we react to that. You ladies with all of the dignity you have. You bite into something rotten and you're like diving for a napkin. And you wouldn't normally spit anything out of your mouth. But this has got to get out of here. It's detestable. I've, I've been there. 
And you're like, whoa. It, it immediately says this was not supposed to happen. It's offensive. It's detestable. I, God's wild grapes. God looked at it and said, whoa. That's not supposed to happen. Remember one time we had gone to camp. Of the, uh, it wasn't camp of the nations. It was um, winter camp, Pinebrook. We went in for camp, and I am a fan of tasty cakes with, yeah, white icing, brown stripe. I love those things. They're awesome. And I walked by the snack machine, and I saw them in there, and it got me. So I go back, and I put my dollar in, and I take it out, and I opened up the tasty cakes. And, Brother Hyde, I, I picked the one off, and I went... And as I did, there was like this web that had grown between the two of them. And I'm like, oh, my soul. And I put, and then I could see the mold on it and the green and all that. And I was just kind of, I, no, I didn't eat them. I, I, I'm like, ah, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Can I tell you, God looked at his vineyard and he said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I've invested in them. I've worked on them. I've given them my best. And the fruit of their life is wild grapes. Listen to me. There are young people all over this nation. Not all of you older people got to grow up and go to Christian school like I did. There are young people all over this nation that God has worked on in an incredible way. And the fruit of their life is wild grapes. Can I say there are old people that grew up with someone influencing them with Scripture? And it's like nothing. The, the fruit of their life. What? Notice this. God uses, he asks them a question and really makes them condemn themselves with their own words. Look what he says here. He asks a question. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it. It was so bad, he said, you answer me. All right, my people, you, you, you tell me. What more could I have done? You tell me where I'm wrong. They didn't have an answer. You, you're going to tell God he's not been good to you? You're going to tell God you never knew? You're going to tell God you didn't have a... a, a he, he said, you tell me. I'm God, and, and I've worked on you. What, what have I done that's wrong? He had a problem with his vineyard. And then notice what happens here, and we're almost done. This, this is what happened. Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth fruit, brought it forth wild grapes. Verse 5. He says, this is what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. Hey, if you don't want it, I'll take the hedge away. I'll break the wall down. It should be trodden down. Verse 6, I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Rain in the Bible is the symbol of God's blessing. This is what he said to his people. You don't want me? You don't want to grow? You don't want all that I've done? I'll back out. And you know what we see? A vineyard, a well-groomed vineyard just become a mess. 
in the day and age in which we live, there's a lot of homes that have just gone because mortgages are upside down. Do you ever drive by one and by the yard and the upkeep and say, wow, no one's living there? It's been left alone. It's been forsaken. It once was manicured and, and, and a nice place, and now it's not. And God says about his vineyard, I, I'm, I'm just going to let it go, and I'm not going to send any more rain. And you, and you know what happens? He stopped invested, and it started to look, Brother Chris, like everything else around it. You couldn't even tell it was a vineyard. Thorns, briars, growing up. What's that? We hunted in Maryland for many, many years. My dad's brother, his name is Jimmy. Jimmy hunted. I said, where are you going to hunt, Uncle Jim? He said, I'm going to hunt in the corral. I said, the corral? I said, I didn't see a corral. One day I was walking and met up with him. I'm like, why do you say you're hunting in the corral? There's woods everywhere. He said, come here. And he walked over, and about 60 yards from his stand was a barbed wire fence. And, I mean, there's briars and trees. It just looked like the rest of the woods. And, and if you go around that perimeter there, and he said, Mike, this used to be a corral. Back in the day, the old farmer used to let his cows roam here. And now it's just grown up like crazy. It's just wooded, and it's, it's thick, and it's just, he said, this is where I hunt. But you couldn't tell that was a corral. It just looked like everything else. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people out there you know what? They look just like the rest of the world. You can't even tell they're a Christian. You, you don't see any fruit. God says, if you want to be left alone, vineyard, I'll leave you alone. But that vineyard became a mess. It just became a mess. Let me ask you this. With all that God has invested in you, what kind of return is he getting? What kind of return? God has blessed us in amazing ways. Amazing. Bless me. And Romans 12, 1 teaches us that it's just reasonable that we serve him. God expects to see fruit in our life. You're here. I'm not beating you up. But I just wonder what kind of return will you get? I remember one time, some of you know Pastor Kaiser. Pastor Kaiser called me. He said, Mike, you got any money? I'm thinking, all right, that's a loaded question. Keep going. What do you mean, do I have any money? He's like, man, I got an investment for you. He said, this investment, you need $1,000. He said, this investment is getting ready to just break open. Very quickly, it, it's going to tenfold. I'm like, all right, so if I give you $1,000, you're telling me in two months I'm going to have ten grand. He's like, at least. I said, okay. I didn't have ten grand, So I called my brother. I didn't have 1000 excuse me. I said, Charlie, you got $500? For what? It'll turn into 5000 in a couple months. Don't worry about it. All right. He gave me 500 bucks. I put my 500 bucks with it. Together, brothers. Our thousand man, it, I'm, I'm in, in diamonds in Canada, something like that. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I got this opportunity. Well, the Kaiser said, thousand bucks, 
It's, it's going, it's a, you can't miss. I said, what do you think, Dad? I always ask my dad. He said, Mike, I would do it. He said, he said go to the bank. He says, this is what I want you to do. He said, get 10 $100 bills. He said, then kiss every one of them. Because you're never going to see them again. And I'm like, Dad, come on. He's like, I'm, no, do what you want. Okay? He said, but kiss them all because you'll never see it again. So you know what I did? I didn't kiss them, but I gave my 1000 bucks. And I would check on E-Trade, man. What's the stock worth? It went from 1000 to 900 to 800 to 300 to $80 to zero. And then they were sending me bills, sending me bills for my statement. I owed them money for them telling me and keeping track that my stock was worth zero. My return, nothing. Zippo, zilch. It's the only time I've invested in stocks. Maybe you could help me out. I don't know. But I looked at that and said, wait, 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 I put a thousand bucks in. And guess what, Mike? You got zero. God looked at his vineyard and he says, I've invested so much, so much. What's he getting back? We have people saying, I don't have time to go to church. I, I don't have time to hand out a track. I'm not putting a dollar in an offering plate. I, I'm not living. And just as he looked at his people in Isaiah 5, can I tell you, he's looking at a generation saying, it's incredible. I fenced them. I worked on them. I put them in America. I gave them the Bible. I put my Holy Spirit in them. I gave my son on the cross. I've done everything for them. And you know what? We don't have time. And I'll be honest, you can choose, listen, you can choose not to walk with God, but you cannot choose where that road takes you. And there are people all over that would say, I'm saved. And you look at their life, and can I tell you, it's an overgrown mess. Because God says, hey, that's the way you want it, that's the way it is. Let me encourage you, listen to me. If you're here today, it's not over. Hey, stocks rally. There can be low times. I bought the only, all right, Travis. He wanted to buy stock. Travis is like a neat freak, saves his money, all that. He wants a green bus, and he wants to travel the country and sing. I said, Travis, how much money do you have? I don't know what it was, $500 or something. So, two years ago, can't miss, buy silver. So we did, at like $39. You know anything about the silver market? It's at about 22 So I'm about half. I think I need to quit investing, Rev, because the two I've done, one's got me at zero, and one's got me at 50%. Put some of his money in, I put, but watch me. Listen, listen, listen. That other thing's dead, gone. This, I'm hoping... Watch, that it improves, that it gets better. I haven't cashed in yet. I'm just hoping that thing turns around. Listen to me. Maybe you're sitting here. The goal for your life, for every one of us, watch, is to one day hear God say, well done. Maybe you're saying, you know what, Mike? Lately, God has not been getting a good return. 
It might have been for the last year, two years, five years, ten years, maybe never. And you say, Mike, I've not really been a good investment for God. When he looks at my life, not a whole lot of return that I've been doing for him. But can I say this? The story's not over. It's not over yet. Well, if you still have error, can I tell you? Hey, you can live for God. You can please God. You can do something for God. God has invested in you. God loves you. God has a plan for you. He built that wine press. He's watching. And he's saying, do something for me. It's your reasonable service. Serve me. Live for me. Hey, and one day you can look at God and have him say, hey, you know what? You did good. Paul finished his course. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I'll be honest. There's been times in my life, Pastor Chris, when I, I wasn't as fruitful as I should be. Really. I mean, I wasn't out getting drunk and, and doing drugs, but I wasn't as fruitful as I should be. Church, let me ask you this. What kind of return will God get for his investment in your life? That ought to motivate us. He looked at his people and he said, you tell me what I've done wrong. And I'll be honest, when I look at God and say, Lord, you give me this word. You've given me a great family. God, you fenced me. So many people have tried to protect me from all that's out there. God, you've worked in my heart. I sit through services and camps and preaching over and over. God, you put your Holy Spirit in me. You stand there and you say, Mike, come on now. Let me see some fruit. And you've got a plan for me. I don't, want, I don't want God to look at me and go, wasted investment. He, he loved wasting zero. That's what I got. Like my diamond stock. It's a waste. It's not what we want. Then we'll stand before God and, and, and maybe saved yet so as by fire and say, sorry, thanks for saving me, but not much return here. And then the goal for all of us ought to be, you know what, God, maybe not every day the way I should have been, but I tried to live for you. And here's some fruit. Well, I, I, I tried. I tried. And God ought to get a good return. Live for God. Serve God. This church would explode if all of us were what God wanted us to be. Can I tell you, our church back home, if everybody was what God wanted them to be, if we lived up to our potential, we could make an impact around here. This church, you'd have to build, you'd have to grow. We're walking in the Spirit, we're loving God, we're reading our Bibles, we're praying, we're witnessing, because we're saying, look how God has invested in our lives, this is awesome. I'm telling you, it's a great thing. But I'll tell you, it, it, it is epidemic proportions across our land where people have been given so much and are giving God back so little. And he looks there and says, I don't know what else I could have done. I don't know what else I could have done. God is worth serving. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Help us to live for you. God, I can't tell you how good you've been to me.